When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, and what's up? Welcome in GC Live Monday episode of the show. Wes Mitchell here, Chris Clark, getting back in a regular groove here, hopefully, as we roll right along. Gamecocks getting started with the spring semester, transfer portal stuff. Uh, it it kind of, Chris, felt like this past weekend was, I, I don't want to say the closing of, of all the portal madness, but it certainly feels like, a lot of guys are in that final push to make a decision, to get enrolled, to sort of figure out where they're going, just to make sure that all the logistics can get handled of getting enrolled, getting moved in, getting started. South Carolina had their first team meeting of the quote-unquote kind of new year at 7 o'clock on Sunday. So that always, I feel like, sort of just signals the beginning, uh, the end and the then the beginning of the next year. So – I think you're kind of seeing that push throughout college football. South Carolina, no different, landing several guys over the last few days. We're going to get to all those guys. I want to sort of take some time to break down each and every one of them. But first of all, I'm going to tell you about our friend Clint Hammond of Movement Mortgage, clinthammond.com, 803-771-6933. For in the market for a new home or you just want to see maybe how big of a home you can afford, hit up Clint. 803-771-6933. He's a mortgage broker here in Columbia, but can help you out throughout the great state of South Carolina and can help you through sort of what options you may have and, again, what you might be able to afford. So great Gamecock, great supporter of GC Live. Chris, it, you know, I, I, I pride my – sorry, I lost my mic there for a second. Um, pride myself in following all this stuff, but – the it's been such a whirlwind that I have found myself going back and checking. All right. When did that guy commit? When did this guy commit? Was it before, after we've seen everyone? Was it before, after we've talked about them? Did we talk about them on the podcast? Did we talk about them on the radio? And so I can only imagine we follow this stuff and talk about this stuff daily for a living. I can only imagine as a fan how difficult it is sometimes to keep up with every little thing that happens in the portal. It is, man. And honestly, I hope you have some notes. I do not remember that that break point as to the last – like who was the last guy that we talked about last week? Honestly, don't know. I know what happened this weekend. I know a bunch of the recent developments. And, hey, that's okay. We might go back and uh, hit on some things we've already kind of started talking about. But you're right, the, the – you know, using that same term, break point, we had another one this weekend where, you know, guys, obviously the, the visits are done for a little bit. There's a short, we were just in a quiet period, which means that transfers could visit college campuses. Coaches cannot go out and visit them. And we do get a quick break from visits. They'll resume soon where coaches can go back out on the road um, and prospects can visit once again. Of course, you do have the possibility of high school and junior college recruiting still going on. We don't expect South Carolina to be very active there. And the transfer portal is closed for most players, unless you're Michigan or Washington. Wes, they'll get an extension for five days after tonight, after the national title game. Uh, but generally, the portal is closed for most players. But there are still some players in the portal, right, who can go ahead and um, – continue making their decisions, continue mulling things over. We've always got the possibility of graduate transfers. And then at South Carolina, as you said, first team meetings, workouts starting back, and then guys starting classes this week, including a big crop of early enrollees, West, whether you count freshmen that are enrolling or transfers. And not everybody, uh, West, who's going to be in the 2024 class is on campus yet. There are some summer holdouts. There's some guys – still arriving, 
But this is now, Wes, going to be a 30-man, as of now, 30-man South Carolina recruiting class. You pointed out to me earlier today, losing a bunch of guys off the roster too. So the numbers are there. Uh, but this is a pretty big class when you're factoring in portal and high school recruiting and a, a large portion of them uh, arriving over the last several days in Columbia. Yeah, we're going to have to soon, I think, Chris, take stock and try to list out exactly who made it in. I know we had a good idea of who was expected in as of, you know, a couple weeks ago, but we'll try and, and get that information to everybody here soon as far as who um, who all is actually 100% on campus and here. And so going back through my list, like I said, I want to talk about everybody. We we actually pretty much all the recent commits, Chris, we have not talked about here on the podcast. We maybe talked about elsewhere. So we, we got some heavy lifting today. And rather than go all the way back right now, let, let's start with the most recent news and then just work our way back from there. Um, going to hit a couple of questions first. Clint uh, wants to know who our top five portal guys are this go round. Clint, I'm gonna have to think about that, man. That's uh, I, I don't want to just throw an answer at you without thinking through it. I do like your list, but I could come up with a, several lists that I would like. Clint says Sanders, Hunt, Simpkins, Jules, and Howell. It's uh, a great list, man. There's some other guys you can make a case for, but uh, you know can't go against your five. BMAC laps. Is that a Brian McClendon reference? Is and that, account. Yeah. Um, are, are they? Are there any unannounced welcome homes from the weekend? No. Um, everybody is now public. Nick wants to know who are the remaining targets in the portal. Right now, Nick, I mean, Chris, correct me if I'm wrong here, man. I'm kind of looking at it quarterback, j- just in general, in, any general. quarterback. You know, that, that could be out there. And then maybe a wide receiver. And then, you know, you know what kind of went quiet? We heard some names for DB. And then that that went really quiet. It did. So, you know, I, I know, Nick, that's not a specific answer. But I, I feel like the, the guys who have that real, true mutual interest, they hit your campus. And so most of those guys have hit campus. And in a lot of cases, committed to South Carolina. A few cases hit campus, committed elsewhere. It almost kind of feels like it's a reset now. And then you start to obviously, maybe there's some lingering guys here or there for this window. And then you start looking spring window. I don't know, Nick, if there's like a specific guy or two that I would pinpoint at this point to keep an eye on overall. What, what do you think, Chris? Yeah, I would say, just to go through it, there's some positions where South Carolina's done when you factor in portal high school recruiting, right? Um, Probably, unless something crazy happens, done at running back, right? You've got three guys from the portal, you got a high schooler. Done at tight end with Michael Smith from high school, Brady Hunt. But you look on offense, yes, we know they'd like to add another receiver, you know, preferably somebody with some length, some size. And so there's still some guys in the portal at that position. So you could look at the possibility of a guy that's already in the portal or, Wes, holding over until the spring. There will be some more portal entries in the spring at receiver. Be some more portal entries after the spring at quarterback, too. So th- those are the obvious ones, right, uh, where you're going to continue looking. Wes, I don't know do- – Offensive line, do you completely and totally close the book on another offensive tackle? Wouldn't completely and totally close the book on that, but South Carolina could very well be done there. And then you look at linebacker, it looks like with two freshmen and two portal guys, they've likely hit their needs there. You look at what they've done at edge and defensive line, probably hit their numbers there. DB's one that, like you said, has, has been subject of a lot of speculation. There's, there were some, even some names, West that came out earlier that it seemed like South Carolina may make a move, may have made a move on and ultimately didn't. Again, do you totally close the book on a DB like after the spring? Maybe not. But right now, it looks like that that pool has shrunk to where that might not happen. So, again, you've got a 30-man class. I think it's 16 from high school, 14 transfers, pretty close to even on the numbers. 
and they've hit a lot of their needs. There are a few out there, uh, but certainly they've come a long way from where they were as far as the needs of rebuilding a few different positions. Yeah, I mean, you can kind of see the direction. Some of them end up being – y'all just have to bear with me. This thing, like, I'm not hitting mute. It just keeps randomly going out on me. So, y'all hang tight with me. If I if I go silent for a second, I have to kind of reconnect it. But so some of these guys, I think, in fairness, are going to step right into – starting roles or major rotational roles. Other guys you look at, you say more on the depth end of, of that. And, you know, like anything, anytime you're recruiting, Chris, I like to look at a situation because even with transfer portal guys, it's uncertain. So I look at all these situations as best case scenario, worst case scenario in terms of impact. So in my head, South Carolina lands a guy, I go, what's the best case scenario for this transfer player? What is the worst case scenario for this transfer player? And so, like I said, let's start to get down into some of the players that have been added, and we will go in sort of uh, reverse order with the most recent get. And um, so that would be Alabama's uh, Monkel Goodwine, Chris. And, and by the way, do, do we know for a 100% fact, Goodwine, Goodwin? I had the same question, and I, we do not know for a fact. Let's just – you say – you roll with whichever one. Okay, we, we're going to get – it's easy when you're right about the guys, but then you're like, oh, we have to talk about them too. So um, yes. we will get answers on all these guys because we actually have a couple of them that we don't have proper confirmed pronunciations of yet, but that's important to me, so we will get it and then get those right moving forward. But um, this pickup, the most recent one, Chris, I think fans get very excited. They say, oh, you got a guy from Alabama. I get it. Former four-star player, highly, highly recruited out of high school, has not done a ton at Alabama. I think you like this pickup for two reasons. One, he has more than one year of eligibility left, coming into a room with a bunch of upperclassmen. And two, he he has played behind some really good players at Alabama. So you kind of wonder, could he be a guy who with a new opportunity, a new chance to possibly play um, different guys in front of him, maybe it sets up a little bit better for him for a, a from a playing time standpoint. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy that's not played a lot of snaps in his career West, but you go back and look again, th there is the, fascination with a guy that comes from a big time school. And so good one, good one does come from that of a big time school where he's yes, playing behind a lot of studs. I mean, Alabama, you go up and down the roster, you're going to see four star guys, five, five star guys. And good was one of those that coming out of high school West, look at the on three industry ranking the of course weighted average of all four major recruiting services. This is a guy that ranked in the top 70. And so, out of the DMV area, he was a big-time, highly-touted recruit. Now, has the career played out that way so far? No, it hasn't. He, he hasn't played a bunch of snaps through his first few years of college ball, but is there talent there? Yes, you go back and look at the high school tape, the profile, the physical tools. You know, they're there. And it, it was a similar situation, Wes. Th this other guy I'm going to reference has played more. If you look at LT Overton at Texas A&M, right? He was a guy that was – even even more highly rated, big five-star guy, hasn't lived up the potential yet, he's going to Alabama, right? And so this is a guy that maybe as a prospect wasn't quite at that level and in college has not pl played quite to the level that even Overton has played to. But you do look at the fact that is this a resourceful take? I, I think so because as someone who has some experience, he's been at big-time ball. He has some talent that you can probably still tap into. I know South Carolina did some research on him, talked to people at Alabama to try to figure out, you know, with someone like Goodwine who has a lot of talent, signed with a big program, but hasn't quite shown that production, your question is naturally going to be why. You know, why has that not happened? And so, you know, they've done some research on that. If you look at South Carolina's D-tackle room, it is very, very upperclassman laden. You know, they've got, 
I think, nine guys projected to be on the roster in 2024, and all of them but one are juniors, redshirt juniors, seniors, redshirt seniors. And so getting somebody else in the hopper who maybe he doesn't play a ton this year, but if you can get him into the program and Travian Robertson can kind of tap into some of that potential, you can see why they would take an opportunity to, to take somebody like Monkel Goodwine. Yeah, for sure, man. And, um, you know, a little bit more long-term potential because I I look at that room. Not to get too far ahead of ourselves, fans will say, hey, 2023 just ended. I get it. But if you're on staff, if you're at South Carolina, you are always kind of looking ahead a little bit to the future, even though, let's be honest, rosters are now year to year. I, I just like the fact that there is some added eligibility eligibility here compared to the rest of your room to an extent all right let's go into AJ Parks it's kind of fun Chris when you go back I, I went to DM AJ to ask him about South Carolina interest and there was a DM for me to him years yep. ago of me saying hey man you visiting with this DC group this weekend yes sir so from like years ago a early South Carolina DMV target didn't work out initially, but he did visit um, parks, a guy who looking back, he hit the portal. Then he stuck with Oklahoma. Then this off season, he hits the portal again. We had heard his name fairly early as being a potential guy for South Carolina. And, you know, I, I think these last two pickups are kind of similar, Chris power five major program, a couple of guys that have not played a ton, but we're highly rated, highly recruited out of high school, four-star kid. And, you know, I, I don't think you put crazy expectations on him. Like, this is not a guy you say you necessarily project, oh, he's just going to come in and steal a starting spot, spot at tackle. Could he come in and take advantage of a new uh, outlook, a new place, fresh start? Absolutely. Could he end up being more of a depth guy at tackle? That's a possibility as well. Um, I, I think this is just more about, all right, not a ton of top tackles in the portal. They're just very hard to come by. But we know they needed more depth at this position. Look no further than this past season for that. So a talented guy, four-star guy. Let's see what he does with a fresh start. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I think you put it well, not putting expectations too high. because. There are certain situations, Wes, where you're looking in the portal going, all right, if you're – and I'm speaking from the perspective of a, of a coach, for instance. We need a starter, right? So that, that's how South Carolina approached the portal at running back this year. We need a starter, and we need additional depth, and we need additional competition, right? And they were able to go out and accomplish that. At tackle, and you've said this so many times, harder to go in and find ready-made – starters if you can find one great if South Carolina had gone into the portal and there was a stud left tackle out there who was a junior or senior who's probably going to the NFL next year but needed one more year and you can grab him great that wasn't really there for them this time uh, but you do need some additional depth additional competition and so um, Parks again has not played tons he was a reserve for the Sooners he played special teams he played reserve role maybe that's kind of what he ends up doing at South Carolina but we saw like you said Wes very quickly you can be down a couple guys you can be down seven eight guys and if that's the case then Parks is someone that you know you can you can maybe bring in and, and add some depth and you know you might get a surprise and you get even more out of him right sometimes changes of scenery for guys are good this is obviously someone who was a highly rated prospect so there's still you know, some clay to work with, so to speak, where you can mold him, and uh, we'll see how it goes. But but I think a, a depth piece, a depth addition that makes some sense, and somebody that Shane Beamer was obviously very familiar with. He was at Oklahoma when Parks was getting recruited. That was the connection. Beamer helped Oklahoma a lot in that DMV region, and Parks was a guy that, you know, he uh, he had a hand in recruiting to the Sooners as well. Yeah, no doubt, man. So, all right, let's, again, keep going down this path and talking about individually the guys that South Carolina has added over the last four to five days. It has kind of been a flurry of activity 
God's taking visits, God's making decisions. And Chris, technically, you could list him as a commitment from December, but also I have him listed as a commitment from January 6th, and that would be Brady Hunt, Ball State tight end, rejoining the South Carolina class. Kind of an interesting situation here for a quick rundown of it. Never, I guess, publicly decommitted from South Carolina, but did privately decommit from South Carolina, was heading to Texas A&M, um, now back with the Gamecocks. That's official. He's confirmed on all the social medias that he's in Columbia. Um, he's starting class. He is a Gamecock. It's official. And, Chris, we talked about him, I'm sure, when he first committed. But this, you know, we were asked earlier, who are your top five guys in this class? I don't know where I'd rank him, but this was one of my favorite gets for South Carolina in the first place because I, I like where they are at tight end. I like Josh Simon, but I think a guy like Brady Hunt slides right in kind of as that rotational guy. Shoot, may, maybe even pushes Josh Simon. We don't know yet. You know, you want to talk best case for him as a player? He, he, may, he may push for the starting spot down the down the road this year but I think sort of my worst case for him is that he's kind of that second or third tight end and can provide valuable minutes in this rotation I'd be kind of surprised just my opinion if he's not at the very least your other tight end in a two tight end set this season because I think he's that good NFL size great athleticism Still has some upside since he's a former quarterback who's only played the position for a while. Um, th this was important to get him back in the class. Yeah, not a position that may have been on people's radar as heavily as, say, you know, running back, edge, wide receiver. But it makes sense to take one. Last year you had the one-two punch of Trey Knox and Josh Simon, and Simon certainly the back half of the season really, really came on. Um, and you get Simon back, you lose Trey Knox. And so naturally you go, all right, well, Michael Smith coming in as a freshman, really, really talented pass catcher. And then you've got some younger guys on the roster who you can continue bringing along, Connor Cox, Reed McKeska. you got Nick Elksness on the roster. That's true. But what if you could bring in a guy who is already pretty proven and that you can kind of plug and play? And that's what they found, I think, with Brady Hine. As you said, great size, 6'6", 250. He can catch the ball downfield. Um, he can block. He can play special teams. It reminds me, and I think I said this probably when he originally committed, Wes, reminds me of the Nate Adkins get, you know, in, in his class, 2022 class, where you go, man, th there's tight ends on the roster. Why are you adding this guy? Uh, but he had kind of a different, unique skill set and obviously ended up playing a huge role for Carolina. So I think this acquisition – is is I think a really important one for South Carolina for tight end for special teams, and I think it was going to be a blow, Wes, if he ended up at Texas A and M. This is a guy that they were really excited about adding, and so for it to work out and him to be able to stay in Columbia, I think is big for this team for several reasons. Yeah, and it was it was kind of weird, man, because his initial recruitment to South Carolina was just so low-key. It was, hey, we heard South Carolina's in on this guy. And and kind of that was that, right? Like, it was – that was simple. And then, you know, all the stuff happened, of course, with um, A&M. Then he's back in the class. But so it was very simple at first. Then there was some dramatics. But ultimately, South Carolina gets their way and gets him into the class, which I think was was obviously a, a big get here. Um, all right, before we go any further, I'm going to tell you about our friends at Game Time, Chris, and the Game Time app right there, if you can maybe see it. Man, they got everything on here. I was going to kind of pick something randomly to tell everybody about how they could get tickets for it. Dude, you got everything from WWE, Pro Rodeo, Savannah Bananas, NASCAR, Monster Jam, Atlanta United, Atlanta Braves. I mean, you can probably, I, I'm sure, buy national championship tickets 
on this thing as well. If you uh, want to hop on your private jet and go to the game tonight, um, game time app, one of the fastest growing ticket apps out there. And I would say a big reason for that is because the game time guarantee. That means if you make a purchase, um, you can feel completely comfortable with it because once you make that purchase, if you find the same ticket in the same section for the same game later on, um, they're going to refund you the difference plus 10%. So um, there are some, obviously, some fine print that applies. So make sure you read that. But also, if you have never tried Game Time, go to Game Time app, go to GameTime.co, use the code GameCocks for your first purchase. You're going to get $20 off. That's again code GameCocks and the Game Time app. You can get tickets to the national title game, Chris, for $1,100. So if you were thinking about making, do we have time? Do what? Do we have time? Uh, yeah, it would be tight though. Be tight. We need to need to hop off and head to. We'd also have to head to Owens Field and catch somebody's private jet that we don't have. I think make it yeah. there in time. Maybe we can borrow that new uh, USC jet that they're maybe. But they're you doing. know, we we would have some. I don't know if we can cobble together enough. We would have to borrow a jet, but we could save money on like the gas for the jet if we use game time. Yes, absolutely. We also, you know what, man, we could save, uh, probably save some money on our taxes as well. Yes, we could. Let's just all, let's go ahead and tell everybody about our friends at Liberty Tax. No tax society here, 803 462 5576. Call my man Larry and his whole crew there. They're going to take care of you. Three convenient locations. Here in the Midlands, and Chris, you're out there in the Irmo area. You've already gotten with Larry and talked to him, I believe, several times yep. with a tax plan for you and your family. Yeah, and uh, if I wanted to know something like Larry, hey, we're we're going to take a plane out to the national title game. Could I write that off? He'd probably say, yeah, and here's how, here's why, here's what you can do, here's what you can't do. He's great at that stuff, tons of experience, tons of industry knowledge. We have absolutely no tax society in the Clark household because Larry is constantly helping us, working with us to put together a great tax plan. So definitely recommend calling him a couple locations out in Irmo. Wherever you are, though, give him a call, 803-462-5576. No tax society, man, but I do – you know what I do have, man? <laughs> we, we like to just keep it real and keep it honest on this show. I've got a little bit of anxiety about – correctly pronouncing Kamara's first name and <laughs> that that's one I just want to get confirmed so I I don't even want to butcher it but South Carolina did land a commitment over the weekend from uh, Kamara a pit linebacker and a guy Chris that we had actually heard this name very early in the process at the time when we originally heard his name I don't know if we even knew if linebacker was going to be a huge need for South Carolina once Pup goes in the portal, Stone's in the portal, we started hearing pretty quickly, all right, they're going to take two guys. They want speed. They want athleticism. That's the plan. And pretty quickly it became apparent that he was one of the guys they wanted at that position. Yeah, I, I think South Carolina's done quite well at linebacker. And, and you know, as a general point, to zoom in to, to Kamara, this is a guy that, you know, you look at played with DeAndre Jules at Pitt. We are talking about Kamara first, right, Wes? That's where we're going. Okay, just making sure I didn't miss something. Yeah, and uh, so he's got plenty of experience, you know, and a guy that's you know played power five ball. He's been productive and can still get better, I think. You know, he's, he's made some big plays in his career. Look at what he's done. He can rush the passer. He can cover, and he can tackle. And I'm intrigued to see where South Carolina puts him specifically. To me, he looks like he might be better suited as a will-type linebacker, but that's just my opinion. We'll see. Um, but he made a lot of sense. You know, Pittsburgh, traditionally under Pat Narduzzi, a defensive-minded coach, they've done a pretty good job, you know, developing defensive players there. You look at DeAndre Jules, certainly that's the case with him. And Kamara is a guy that I'm pretty intrigued by as well as a new addition to this team. Yeah, they uh, they kind of went heavy towards the pit guys, man. Um adding a, a walk-on commit from Buddy Mack as well, in-state guy. And so I, I think let's let's talk both linebackers together here. Yeah. 
And then we'll talk about a couple of receivers together as well, even though that's mixing up the order of commits a little bit. But I think it just makes sense. Demetrius Knight, um, 6'2", 247 pounds, 96 tackles this past year, first team all AAC at Charlotte. And really a dude that just came into his own this past season, was finally getting consistent playing time. Went to Georgia Tech, originally was a quarterback slash safety out of high school. And, you know, I, I think for, for him, it, it just seems like it all came together this past season. You, you know, you can point to a drop down and level of competition, of course. I think that is – that's valid. At the same time, whenever you're – you know, you're like a 210-pound safety and you're going – into being a nearly 250-pound linebacker in college, I do think there's some there's a transition period there. And so let, let's go back to the best case, worst case, man. I think just worst case, like let, let's say for night that it's a difficult transition back kind of up to the power five, up to the SEC level. Worst case, I think be a great special teams addition and a, a rotational guy at linebacker, like somebody who can go in and play 10, 15 snaps for you. Now I think best case, like this guy could kind of be a diamond in the rough. I mean, dude, you don't get 96 tackles in a season by being bad at football. <laughs> um, I've heard he's a freak athlete, um, huge vertical, um, Timed at like 21 and a half miles per hour on the GPS, was kind of a 4-3 guy in high school, is still like a 4-5 guy in college, even with all that added muscle and weight. Workout warrior, mature dude, natural leader. I've kind of talked myself into this being one of my sleepers of this portal class as well. Yeah, I agree with you. There's significant upside in, in that, you know, former high school quarterback, and has transitioned all the way up to being this, you know, 6'2", 240-pound-plus kind of physical specimen, right, who's, you know, I think shown a, a progression throughout his college career of at Georgia Tech, more about kind of making some big plays here and there. At Charlotte became more of a complete player. Now you could say, well, he was he was a more complete player because he stepped back in competition. Okay, maybe fair. But they still played Power 5 teams, on their schedule last season, and there's still room for him to continue getting better. This isn't a guy that got to college his freshman year and had been playing linebacker his entire life, right? This is a guy that's continuing, you know, that progression. And so if he can, if South Carolina can help him unlock that next step, then there's some exciting, you know, potential here because of that athleticism. I think that's when you look west at linebacker on the whole, with the portal additions and the freshmen, Fred Johnson, Wendell Gregory, who are also on campus as early enrollees, as a whole, I think you've improved from last season your athleticism, right, your playmaking ability. And while you've got a couple young guys that may factor in as freshmen, they'll, they'll have every opportunity to get looks. You're also adding plenty of experience in Kamara and Knight. Kamara and Knight aren't two freshmen, right? They're They're not – going into their sophomore season. They played a lot of ball in college and still can continue to get better. So I think the big thing to look for, Wes, a few different things, you know, where do they slot positionally? And then how do they acclimate? How do they acclimate to the system? If they can do those things, then I think it'll be, you know, at the minimum, if you could get them to be capable backups, then you've kind of done your job, really, I think, with what you were looking for in the portal. If you can have those guys – push some guys that you presume may be your starters in Debo Williams and Bam Martin Scott. Yeah, I think, man, if you if you look at that spot, some of this is going to be determined, or, or maybe I have it backwards. Who, whoever the best two or three guys are, I think will determine where they end up playing. Like South Carolina is going to want to get – they're going to want for the best scenario that puts their best two on the field in the 425 and puts their best 3 on the field in the 335. So 
you know, does that mean like I think right now, off like just going, you know, it's January eighth, without seeing either of these additions in a Gamecock uniform, you would say if you were in a four two five today, you want Debo and Bam on the field, in my opinion. And so that that would require a, a move. You know, that would require Debo to move back kind of to the mic. And so do you do you make that move? Or are they going to be playing so much three three five that you just want to keep Bam? And for for that matter, Debo, you had really good seasons last year. We want to keep you in the same exact spot. Then I think you're looking at all right, can Kamara or can Knight step right in and kind of play that Mike linebacker spot? And that sort of allows for as little change as possible. I think in what you're doing, but now that also means when you're in your four two five, um, you know, Bam isn't on the field, which was the case this past year. I don't know if you want that to be the case this year because I think he's one of your two best. So right. I, I think Clayton White and those guys on the defensive side, they will have some decisions to make. In an ideal world, though, you don't really want to be like you want Debo to either play Mike or play Will. You don't want to be like, all right, in the four two five you're playing here, and the four, you know, in the three three five you're playing there, and kind of have to to do all that. But plenty of time, I imagine this spring, there will be some experimentation. But don't don't you get the impression those spots are somewhat interchangeable? Like I I remember, I guess that would have been going into this year, we were kind of trying to anticipate, all right, is is Kaba going to take somebody's spot? And um, and just the way it played out, I think Debo had been at Mike earlier in his career, but just came on so strong at the will that having him at the will allowed for Stone and Debo to be on the field at the same time. I may be reversing some of that, man, but it, it just seems like this scheme lets them get whoever they want on the field on the field without it being that you're just learning a completely entirely different thing is my interpretation of things. Yeah, certainly that's how they've kind of run it. And and guys, you know, at times have played multiple positions. I, I think you hit at something, this may be a larger point thinking about the defense. Obviously, man, the defense is an area that really – they're going to be looking to improve, you know, and playing more like they did down the stretch. Now, they weren't playing – you think about Clemson, you think about Kentucky at the end of the year. Those teams were far from juggernauts offensively. And once South Carolina started playing more of the 3-3-5 and integrating that, they played better, right? Uh, but this defense needs to take a step forward in 2024. I do think one theme is that th- there does appear to be more flexibility – you know, going even into spring ball than there was last spring, last year. Remember last spring, Wes, they're playing T.J. Sanders, Elijah Davis, and, and Davis ended up playing outside anyway during the season later. But, like, they're playing guys out of position, right, just because, you know. And you look at edge when you're bringing in – now you got J.T. Gear back. You've got Kyle Kennard as a transfer. You got Dylan Stewart. You got some guys that you know from the current roster that can play outside for you. You feel like you've got more depth there, uh, even in spring ball. Then you look at the linebacker bodies you got. You look at some of the the depth at defensive tackle uh, with adding, you know, DeAndre Jules and getting TJ and Tonka and Boogie Huntley back. That that gives you a little bit more faith that they've got some flexibility um, in terms of positions and and different looks they can give and being able to play different fronts, you know, if they want to in the game. Now, got to see, does that lead to increased production in 2024? We'll see. But I do think on paper, they've got some more flexibility uh, going into this year. Yeah, for sure, man. I And I, um, I'm just very intrigued to see how they put it all together. You know, it's, that's the next question. It's all right. You have all these options. How do you put it together? How much four two five? How much three three five? Who's playing inside? Who's playing outside? Um, you know what? Excellent point here. 
I don't know how to say your name either, but don't sleep on Jaron Willis. We, we've been talking about the portal guys and the freshmen, and of course, Debo and Bam. If Jaron has a great offseason, Jaron's going to have something to say as well. So that, that's a excellent point by someone here in the chat. And uh, I thought he came on very strong and situational. You know, they were using him at that Sam in the 335 with a specific role. But can his role grow this offseason as he gets more comfortable? The, I mean, I'm telling you all, the athleticism, the juice, the twitchiness, it is there with that kid in spades. So I think that's an excellent point. We are just as guilty as anybody of sort of getting caught up in talking about the new guys. That's somebody to to not forget at all as far as South Carolina at that position moving forward. But, you know, we'll have all offseason to dive into that. Let's keep it on the portal and talk about a couple of receivers. And, Chris, the most recent portal receiver pickup for South, South Carolina Gage Larvardane, Miami of Ohio, 5'10, 165. One year of eligibility left. Somebody asked about Knight a second ago. He also has one year of eligibility. Um, Gage, 42 catches, 679 yards, and six touchdowns as a junior this past season. And obviously, 5'10, 165, you're pretty tiny for SEC standards, but um, dude, he, he's got some quickness to him. And I think it is another difference maker in space. I'm very curious to see, similar to the defensive front on D-line and linebacker, how does the offensive staff sort of put these pieces together with their new playmakers on offense? Engaged Larvin Dan West at, at his previous stop at Miami of Ohio, he played almost split time between the slot and the outside position. And so – is he the biggest guy? No, um, but he ha he has shown an ability to get downfield, give you a vertical presence, play in space. Looks like he can run, and so yeah, the the obviously talent level with going up against bigger, more talented defensive backs will be a transition. Um, but really, at this level, it's about getting separation, getting off the line, and and having the quickness and the know how to do that. And so this is a guy that's been a productive player. And I think we were talking earlier, Wes, about if you've got a guy like a Parks or a Goodwine from a big Power 5 school, former big-time prospect, and they haven't really kind of shown up to that level yet, you, you look at why is that. Well, on the opposite side, if you've got a guy who is an FCS player who's been a pretty big-time player, you, you want to see the production, right? You're not really going to see a school like South Carolina at a Power 5 level go say, well, here's this kid at FCS. He hadn't really done much. Let's give him a shot. You're not going to see that. But if you got a guy, you start with the production. Has he produced at that level? And you look back like at Juice Wells. He had produced at that level. Gage Larvadan has produced at that level. Um, then you look, can, can the traits translate? And so I think the one thing, you do look at the size, and if you wonder about the size, that's probably fair, right? But – South Carolina feels like his traits translate, um, had a big year. I think he only had a couple drops, Wes, last year, and they're actually, ironically, in his biggest game of the year where he had 270 yards and three touchdowns. Um, so he's got good hands. He can run. And I think an interesting and, and pr probably pretty versatile type of guy that you can use in the offense. Yeah, man, he, uh, he's he got juice. And I, I think um, – I think, yeah, the size, you have to consider it as part of the evaluation. But, dude, this dude can play. And um, I always look at it like the smaller you are, the quicker you have to be to to negate that. You know, and, and this kid is super quick. So, I, I think for Carolina, having another guy like this, I, I would project him as a starter personally. I, obviously, some things will have to play out at receiver. There's going to be some battles there. I really like Jared Brown from Coastal, but I, I think there's certainly room for all these guys to play on the field at the same time, and we'll just kind of see how does how does Nick Harbor sort of progress this offseason. Who else does South Carolina add from the portal? That's the, the big 
sort of elephant in the room there at wide receiver. Can they find what everybody's calling kind of that wide receiver one, that kind of true X receiver, you would say? Um, only time will tell that. All right, let's talk about Amari Huggins. Bruce, local guy from Dillon High School, initially went to Louisville, has had a solid career at Louisville. Um, Chris, I feel like hasn't quite broken out to be like their top guy in his time there, but has been on the field pretty regularly, has been a guy who has been kind of in their kind of top trio of receivers. I think if he can give South Carolina something similar, you're happy with this pickup. He's got some speed. He's got some playmaking ability. Um, I, I think if you're South Carolina, you kind of went into this knowing you were going to need multiple receivers in this portal class and multiple guys that have played at the college level. And so he gives you that. Whether he'll be a starter or kind of on that second line that comes in, I think only time will tell. But I, I think it's smart to take a guy like this and bring someone home who wants to come home as well and play for the home state school. Yeah, and I think Amari Huggins-Bruce can be used similar to how Amarian Brown was used in the offense to where, um, you know, one of the things we saw him do pretty well during his time at Louisville was, you know, match up in the slot and go downfield. You know, he can give you a downfield presence, but he can also carry the ball in space. He can catch short passes in space and go make some things happen. Again, not not a huge guy, um, but he can do some of those things for you. And so – I think the question, Wes, we're, th this has not been fully solved yet, the, the equation at receiver, because of, of exactly what you said. You you do bear in mind that South Carolina is, is going to continue looking in the portal for some size at receiver, and it may take until after spring to figure that part out. Uh, they're going to keep an open mind to doing that and, and, in fact, would like to add another one with a bigger you know size profile. But also, you know, a guy like Nick Harbour and others – who are on the roster, can somebody else um, step up? Mazia Bennett, DeBron Gatling. You know, Bennett's already on campus as a January enrollee. What will you get from those guys? But I do think one goal was, you know, get some guys in there on the roster that have experience from the portal who have made plays. And I think when you look at the guys they brought in, Jared Brown, AHB, Gage Larvidan, they, they have that, right? So – I think you could make a good argument that while you don't have an alpha like a Xavier Leggett, a Juice Wells, I do think you've improved and that you've created more competitive depth. Now I think you have to find out whether it's out of the transfers, the guys you've already got on campus, combining those, and any future portal addition. Do you have that true number one? And if you don't, are, is you, are you good enough as a unit to overcome that? And I don't think we know the answer to that question yet, but it's, a, it's an interesting one to think about. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think it's important to acknowledge, like, when you're talking about bringing a guy in, you're not, you're not saying he has to be the leading receiver in this group. But, guys, honestly, they, they need help across the board. They need a guy who can be the leading receiver. They need a guy who can be – a number two, they need a guy who can be a three, who can be a four, frankly, and, and kind of on there, you know, from there. I, I think the the interesting thing about it is all these guys I would look at and say, yeah, they could they could help you the way. And who who's gonna who's gonna step up and be the outside guys among that group and who can show they can go do it, I, I think is the real question there. Jared Brown is the biggest of this group, but he was a slot guy a lot of times at Coastal as well. Well, mo most of what he did is catching the ball short, which, you know, you're going to see slot guys running shorter routes, making people miss, and then getting upfield in space. He did a ton of that at, at Coastal. Uh, the, the other interesting part is Loverdane, this guy, even though he's probably the tiniest of the bunch, you throw on the highlights, he is making plays down the field. Like he, uh, He's beating people with long speed as well. So I think that will be fascinating. Can they add another guy? And then how does Dow Loggins see it? There, it's going to be hard to 
you're not going to find a Leggett, in my opinion, like a true X. Um, like you're not going to find a true X guy that is to the ex- that has the ability to break a game the way Leggett does. I, if you do, then more power to you. I just think that's going to be tough to find at this point in the portal. So then it becomes, can you become more of a wide receiver by committee and put three three guys out there and then some rotational guys who can make all make defenses account for them and you just spread it around? Um, you know, kind of somebody mentioned Bruce Ellington. I mean, that's actually a perfect example. Bruce played in a receiving core for a stretch that didn't have bigger receivers. It was all smaller. Mm-hmm faster receivers who could create separation yeah and and that it may be what you end up on and and so then the question just becomes how productive are you and i think there there are different ways to do it Wes. you can i I do think it's a better idea to not be overly reliant on one big time receiver like what we saw from xavier leggett was awesome to watch but was south carolina overly reliant on him from the standpoint that you know, if he wasn't open on a play or uh, he was off the field at some point, did the did the overall receiving performance suffer? Yeah, I think that's safe to say. And that goes back to not having enough competitive depth there in that room. And so that, I think, is the impetus for what we saw this offseason. We saw some healthy transfers, as you would say, and then we saw, you know, an influx from the from the portal and we've we've seen a couple of freshmen be recruited as well. And so those guys are going to make up the bulk of, of the competition along with some guys that are returning on the roster and have to see how all that shakes out. I think it it will be a, a pretty good competition, I think, between those guys. And then again, got to bear in mind that there could be some, some future additions at receivers. So we don't, I don't think we quite have the answer of, Hey, who's going to be the leading receiver in 2024. It's pretty hard to pinpoint that right now. It could come from several different spots. The key is just going to be whether it's more spread out, whether it ends up being more of a number one, where there's a bigger gap between number one and number two. They just got to be more productive, bottom line, uh, passing the football in 2024. Who do you think is number one right now as we sit here on January 8th? Figured you were probably going to ask that. I don't know, man. I think it's Jared Brown. I mean, if you're going to – that's probably the safest pick. It's probably Jared Brown or Gage Larvadan. And I think if you go back and look statistically at, at what they've done in college, that probably makes the most sense, right? Because those guys would have the most catches out of, you know, whether it's guys returning on the roster <clears throat> or even guys they're bringing in out of Larvadan, Jared Brown, and AHB. Looks like we lost Wes. Um, I don't know if Wes is going to make an effort to return. If he does, uh, great. Uh, Washington, Michigan tonight. I see some of y'all talking about that. Of course, you may be catching this pod later. Uh, right now, it's Monday, January 8th at 2.56 p.m. Eastern time. And so, obviously, the national title game has not happened yet. Um, Travis Ford talking about hiring Kalen DeBoer. Man, DeBoer is an awesome coach. Um, I don't know. I don't know if we should make it automatic that he would have been in the mix for the South Carolina job. Um, I'm sure South Carolina would have been interested in him. Would he have been interested? I don't know. A little bit more of a West Coast type guy. We'll see. see. Um Let's see what else we got. Yeah, Lynn Turner, great point. Creating separation is the main thing. That was an overall weakness last year. Yes, I think that's a great point. All about separating at receiver. More than one way to skin that cat. Hello, Wes, on the right side. Oh, man, we're going to upset everyone. But we don't I, have I don't wanna, we're almost done anyway. I don't want to mess with too many things. We're just going to leave it be for now. <laughs> that's right. Um, Chris, my, my again, did, did you agree or were you – are you on yes, here? yes, yes. I, I did because I, well, and I just think you. I don't want to say it's it's common sense, but it makes the most sense. Um, yeah, you kind of look at who has the goods to do that, and they're the most. Whether it's Jared Brown or Gage Larvadan, 
those are the two most proven guys in terms of just catching footballs in college. And so that makes the most sense. And I think Jared Brown is a probably a pretty safe pick. I'd go between him and Larvadan right now. We'll see. That could always, you know, we could change our mind before the season for sure. Yeah, no doubt. All right. So uh Torricelli Simpkins, North Carolina Central edition. He will be the uh the last commitment we'll talk about today. Miak offensive lineman of the year this past season, six foot five, three hundred and ten pounds, one year of eligibility left. Charlotte, North Carolina, originally out of Olympic High School. Another of these FCS sort of just uh, I would almost say superstars. Like the kid played from the moment he stepped on campus there at, at North Carolina Central as a true freshman, three-year starter, you know, has started um, I think it's 36 games, like has played a ton. Um, at that level, wants to bump up and give it a shot at the SEC level. I think it's far easier, Chris, to find interior linemen out there who can come in and help you in the SEC. I think sort of let's go back best case, worst case. Worst case, you've added some experience and a depth guy at center. Best case, you've added a starter at center and Vershawn Lee could play guard. Vershawn Lee could play right tackle. Vershawn Lee could could be your starting center, but then if somebody goes down at tackle, you could slide Vershawn out and uh, Simpkins could slide right in at center. I think this is like quietly one of their better pickups of the class just because of what it gives you overall. And I talked to somebody very familiar with this dude's game. He thinks he's got a chance at the NFL level. I think just because of him being an FCS guy, some people are kind of underrating what he could mean. I I really like this kid. Yeah, we were talking about it earlier, man. Not from Bama, not from Oklahoma, so not going to get as much – in terms of headlines, right? And that's fine. Um, but a guy who kind of flew under the radar out of Charlotte Olympic High School, um, wasn't super highly recruited, obviously ended up in North Carolina Central. But again, talking about what has a guy done at his level? Has he played well? Yes, it's a guy that started um, from the moment he stepped on campus. And it, it is interesting, Wes, because I've gotten the same thing as you independently people going, hey, that guy's got a shot at the NFL, you know, and he kind of fits the profile, not super big, but he fits the profile of one of these interior guys who can move, you know, and um, I agree with you, whether he's a depth piece, whether he, I think it'd be ideal if he could come in and if he wins your center job, that means he's the best option there. And that gives you even more flexibility at another spot. So not a move that maybe is going to garner a ton of attention, but probably should, right? Because um could end up being an important get, even if it's just for depth purposes for South Carolina. Yeah, no doubt, man. So, all right, that sort of locks down the, I think that was eight guys we went through. So, we uh, they've been busy. We didn't have a Friday show, so that was why we had to kind of go back and, um, and knock those out. Craig saying, I like Ball and Marquis at guard. Yeah, it very easily could play out like that. But you want to have options, right? Like you you want to – you don't want to just be like, well, here's the five guys, and then there's a drop-off. So I, I think with, with Simpkins, this gives you one more guy who could possibly help inside. And, you know, there are going to be injuries. That's just a fact of life for football in general. But I think certainly at that position where it's just so physical um, day in, day out. Do we want to hit anything else, Chris? I think we're tapped out today, Wes. I think we have covered a lot. Yeah, shout out to South Carolina men's basketball coach Lamont Paris, um, one of ESPN or ESPN's coach of the week this week, according to uh, Jeff Borzello. So that's pretty mm-hmm. cool. Michi Johnson, I believe co-SEC player of the week, according to the conference. Pretty cool. Those guys keep on rolling. With a big win over Mississippi State, they will take on Alabama 
on Tuesday at Alabama. So uh, shout out to those guys. South Carolina women's basketball remains undefeated, defeating Mississippi State over the weekend. Don't Staley not a happy camper right now, Chris. So <laughs> no, she um, she's trying to press those buttons and keep uh, keep that group moving forward. And uh, we'll be back with a GC live tomorrow. Mike Yuva will have it um, talking Tuesday nights, and uh, then Chris and I will be back on Wednesday. Hopefully, maybe by then we'll know a little bit more about this coaching search. Some names are out there. Um, nothing quite solidified yet at this time from what we have gathered. So we will keep pushing for that. And uh, in the meantime, we'll have it for you on Gamecock Central if we get anything. Um, all right, y'all, that'll do it. We're at the hour mark. He's Chris. I'm Wes. We'll see y'all soon. Appreciate y'all tuning in. Hope y'all have a good one.